You are listening to the Technical SEO Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Tech SEO Podcast, where we explore technical SEO and everything that comes with it. My name is Kira Davidson and I'm an SEO consultant at Salt. Today I'm joined by Arnott, an online consultant at Online Market Think. Welcome to the podcast today and how are you doing? I am good. I'm good, Kira. Um, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to speak with you today. We've got lots to talk about, but before we get into the ins and outs of measuring core web vitals at scale, we always like to get into the ins and outs of our guests a little bit more. How have you got to your career in SEO today? Oh, um, can go a little bit back, but um, used to be in telecoms uh, for about eight years and more on the technical side. So this is managing uh, backend development. Um, and then I got approached by somebody I knew to build a web platform. And this was back in 2005, so a long time ago. And, um, and whilst doing it, it, people just started to, I think people were just starting to use Google Analytics and SEO just became a little thing, but not really. Um, and that's... Um, when I was first introduced to Google Analytics, for instance, I didn't know why it was necessary, why she should look at it. And fast forward 15 years later, I'm telling everybody, you should do this and blah, blah, blah. So um, basically uh, started there and then got a proposal for 20K to do SEO. And I thought, is it that hard? And I basically started reading uh, back in the days, the SEO Moz blog. So um, I started reading, started changing heading tags, started seeing more traffic. And so that was interesting and started to understand what links were doing and all kinds of stuff. Uh, so organically grew into it back in the days. And, and then I got a hernia, was unable to work, but I was able to learn a lot. So I read everything there was to read. And um, luckily I was introduced to two Dutch SEOs. One of them is actually quite well known. Um, one is called Joost de Volk, um, mm -hmm. who's incidentally the founder of Joost, the plugin yeah. loads of SEOs use. So he basically introduced me and told me loads of things. And he helped me um, get in touch with people in, in the whole of Europe and basically started building a network. And he told me, you, you need to meet these people. And so it started that way. And I, I basically, from that, I started my own consulting, uh, basically as a freelance consultant. And that's still what I'm doing uh, 13 years in. So been self-employed for 13 years already. So oh, wow. loads of fun. Yeah. So that's me in a nutshell. And um, I stay up to date by participating in uh, on Twitter, mostly. Um, I think the other part is going to a lot of conferences, which was crap in the past two years. But <laughs> it's slowly yeah. starting to open up. Um, 
I usually don't really make it to an awful lot of talks. I usually do, just end up chatting and fixing problems uh, or, or thinking about how to fix problems. And that's what I really, really like doing. So yeah, that's me in a nutshell. That's great. As if it all started from uh, one little thing uh, by having to develop a site. It did. It did. And I still remember that we had like a, a, a page with five H1s and we changed it into a single H1 and we got traffic. It was amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, it, and, and I must say that in that process, I stopped doing SEO for a while because mm -hmm. it was... It was simply just buy links or rent links, uh, change a bit of context, change the page title, and off you go. Um, and then it was just too easy. There was not a lot to be gained. And one of the things I, the way I approach SEO is, is more about what's in it for the business. Because traffic in itself doesn't do anything. If you can get them to convert, it's a lot better. So started moving more into CRO mm -hmm. and uh, web psychology and analytics. So basically took my whole client base and saying, we're not gonna do any more SEO, we're gonna do this. And they all agreed. And uh, so I started doing way more of that. And, um, and I think about four years ago, it became interesting again with the whole semantic web and more of the structured data and how entities fit in and how intent uh, is classified. And so now it becomes interesting again, mm -hmm. the whole SEO game. Um, and the technical part of SEO, I always really enjoyed. That's really good. Um, and that falls nicely into what we're planning to talk about today around measuring core web vitals at scale. Uh, so I think uh, in relation to this, the best place to start is the like at the, at the beginning. So like, what are core web vitals and ultimately why do people care about them? Oh, what are core web vitals? Well, core web vitals is something that Google uh, has started to push a lot. And it's about the experience uh, people have when loading a page mm -hmm. or visiting a web page. So it talks about when is it fully visible? When can you interact with it? Those kind of things. Um, this is my personal opinion. Um, I think one of the biggest pushes for Core Web Vitals um, by Google, the reason for it is to, they say it's to provide a better user experience. And I agree. But I think there's something else at, at play here as well, because if we make faster websites, they're easier to index. Yeah. Uh, if they're easier to index, Google can index more at the same cost or the same amount for less cost. Yeah. And we're talking about massive cost savings. Um, and in the beginning, um, and you can see this in um, a website called WPOstats.com. Um, I think it's sponsored or even started by Google. It's basically little use cases where they say Zolando shaved 
0.2 seconds of their largest contentful paying, which resulted in 14 million extra revenue. Interesting. So these are, these are little cases. And what they were trying to push is you should all make your web experience a lot better. Mm -hmm. Nobody really listened, right? So there were some people, I mean, I've always focused on a faster web page because I'm an impatient person myself. So screw that, needs to be fast. Um, but there's loads of other reasons as well. Um, but then they saw that nobody was really picking this up. So they started um, to push it through SEOs because there's way more SEOs in the world than there are conversion people. And people are, we've already educated like clients that search and Google search and organic search is so important. So then they said, um, or then they did the PR, PR campaign where, where they said it's a ranking mechanism. Right? Yeah. We still remember this. Um, but the thing is, in my opinion, it isn't. Because there is no such thing as if you make a really, really fast website with absolute crap content, do you think that's going to rank? No. Maybe for crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? So, so it's not going to rank. Um, so the way I see these kind of speed things, they're embedded in the feedback loop. So basically in, 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 in rank brain. So if you if you're competing for for two positions and, and one is way slower in the experience than the other, and people will click on it and go straight back to search and click the other result, it's a very clear indication that the other one should outrank it. And one of the reasons people do it is because it takes too long. Yeah. Right? So in that way, you can say, yeah, it's a ranking, uh, it's, it's a ranking factor. But it's not the ranking factor as we think it is, right? So yeah, uh, why is it important? I think it's really important if you want to achieve something with your website, it needs to be fast. And, uh, and and provide a good user experience. Mm -hmm. So in, in your opinion, then, it's not important because it's a so-called ranking factor. It's more a case of it's important from more of a conversion point and return on investment. Yes. And um, so I made a really interesting business case at a very large corporation where I, if, if we make our pages load 20% less JavaScript, at our scale, that equals to 21,000 trees in carbon footprint. Wow. Um, if we do the same thing and we boil down that zero, uh, no, half a second of full load time decrease uh, on average would boil down to between 12 and 52 million revenue on a yearly basis. Mm -hmm. So there's like different ways of approaching it. The other one is um, it, even in hosting costs, if, if you're a massive site, if you ship 20% uh, less, you're saving 20K in hosting, yeah, in data transfer. So there's a lot of reasons you should be doing it, but I don't think SEO is the main one. 
Mm -hmm. So then I'm guessing you're aware around um, Google sort of experimenting with uh, TUD and MED uh, because they're wanting to find a metric that replaces FID to improve overall a page experience. Do you just think then that's them trying to sort of kind of hone in on this whole update and uh, ranking factor almost? Or do you think it's tying back to obviously it costing Google less and more down that way? Um, I think they just want to give us the tools that we understand and that we can make adjustments where needed and, and see the impact. Um, I think with a lot of these things, it, um, I'm, I might be a bit tinfoiled, but I think the biggest one is, is Google's bottom line. And in the end, you can also look at it from a different perspective. If users stop using Google, they don't have a business model. Mm. Right? So yeah. they, they will try and give us all the information so we can improve and make their job easier. That's a really good point. I've never thought, obviously, I, I am aware Google is a business, but I've never thought about it in that context. Well, but you should, right? Yeah. So, so the interesting thing is Google keeps saying, do it for the user, right? That's what they keep on saying. But what you're actually, because the user is not going to blame the website. The user is going to blame Google. Yeah. So in essence, they say, protect my user because otherwise I won't be able to make any money. That makes perfect sense when you think of it like that. So, and I think more SEOs should be looking at it this way. Mm -hmm. So that's probably then why Google has the likes of real user data, so field data and then lab data. And obviously they use um, real user data, um, but also do provide lab data for you to check uh, sort of measurements off that. Uh, yeah, and, and th this is a bit of my point, right? Because they position it as a ranking factor, people think that if everything is green, it's good. Yeah. But it isn't, because if you think about it, um, if uh, you can compress uh, images um, or, it, or say uh, elements on your page, they're PNGs, but if you would make them SVGs, they'd be like, a tenfold smaller. But looking at Lighthouse, for instance, they will just say, tick the box, you've optimized the image. Yeah. And so that doesn't really tell you anything. It's a tool, a tool that can point you on what can be done in, in, in a better way. They also say, well, remove this JavaScript. Well, actually, you know what's in there? It's Tag Manager, it's yeah. Google Analytics, it's like, Ah, wow. <laughs> essential it's needed yeah but there's different ways of doing this um, um and as to your other point i think um i love the crux data so that's mm -hmm. like real user data and everybody should be using that to benchmark you to other companies to get aware that there's lower end devices so I work for companies that work all over the world. And you know what? Um, 
uh, in Norway, the same site is really good. It's performing really well. Why? Because all Norwegians have, have the latest state-of-the-art iPhones with Chrome on it. Um, same website in Brazil is like not even halfway there, but it's the, the exact same optimization. But the user experience is a lot worse in Brazil. So I think it's, it's, it's great that Google does these kind of things. Um, yeah, so th that's it. And, and, and as to the lab, um, don't look at whether it's green or not. Uh, look at what you can improve. But also, this is why I tend to also use things like GP metrics, because they will just give you the full size of the images. I mean, why should a homepage, even if they're compressed, ship two megabytes of images or one meg? They should never, right? Even if they're optimized. But sometimes I see PNGs being used, whereas you should have used WebP or, or JPEG. Yeah. So there's like, I don't know. This is something you need to work out and find experience, but be aware of. Mm. Yeah, I've definitely seen sites where like your yeah, LCP uh, comes back, it's green, but then, you know, like on the recommendations, it's still saying like, um, reduce and use CSS, reduce and use JavaScript, uh, compression images. Uh, so there's still like ways to still improve it despite it almost passing. Well, no, it, it passes what? It passes that you have done the basic work. Yeah. That's it. It, 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 it doesn't say you're good. Mm. And this is the whole point. So you briefly touched upon then around how you, you, you like to use the Crooks report um, and you've also liked CT metrics. Is there any other tools that you'd use to sort of manually test um, the core web vitals? Uh, well, of course, um, the, um, the dev tools, uh, that's like the main thing, um, but always use it in an incognito uh, version because the problem is a lot of people use, and me included, we, we use Chrome extensions. Yeah. Those Chrome extensions either block stuff or they change stuff but they all execute and they all use the main thread to do stuff on the web page. Um, so the scores you get aren't the real ones. Mm. Uh, so I think that's, that's, that's a real, really big one. Um, of course, the PageSpeed Insights is also a really good one uh, to check out. Um, I think those are, the, the main ones. And I mean, DevTools, you can do pretty much everything on there. So you yeah. just need to know your way around it. No, I agree. I personally really like DevTools. I like the performance tab to sort of see the layout shifts, um, to see like the main thread work, and then to highlight like the LCP and if oh, there's anything. Okay. There, there's a really good one uh, made by uh, Philly. Philly, what is it? But it basically, it does the CLS and it does two tests and then creates a GIF and then highlights the shifting elements. Oh, that's cool. So 
it really helps you explain what needs doing to uh, to devs. Yeah, I and then they say, "Well, why is this happening?" I was like, "Well, I don't know why. You need to like have a look at this." Yeah, I find uh, GT Metrics. Do you know on the video section? Yeah. That's quite good for sending over like content layout shifts. Yeah. Um, obviously, to check a website that's got like forty thousand URLs uh, manually would be horrendous. Um, so when it comes to like enterprise sites, how would you navigate measuring core web vitals? Multiple ways, <laughs> right? Um, so so first you you need to think about scalability. Uh, you need to think about um, because usually a large enterprise site, not every page is different. Yeah. There's like probably five or six templates, whether it's yeah. a new site, whether it's whatever, right? If you go on eBay, there's like, I don't know, four. You've got a search page, a category page, a detail page, a search results page, and, and two more. But those are the ones that are important for users getting to the site. And they're templated. Yeah. So um look at it from a templated way what i tend to use is um sidebar mm -hmm. uh, for a lot of the the crawling um and they've just released a service side version which is a lot more powerful and a lot easier because my standalone takes a while when i want yeah. to do a multi-million um but, but the cool thing it does, it's, it's great for spotting side-wide issues. So one of the things that I really like about Sidebulb is that it can highlight JavaScript and CSS files and how often they're being called and how much of the actual code is used to render the page. Oh, that's really good. Because, because that way you can basically immediately see, because otherwise, you do one page, you go to a dev and they say, well, it's used on that page. But this way you can literally say, these lines are not being used for initial rendering. And then you can have a, have a conversation. So I, or I use Screaming Frog, which is also fine. And then with PageSpeed Insights connected, uh, which gives you a lot, of, a, a lot of details. And I think you start with finding where are we, right? So are there any large images on the site? Is there like these kind of things? Because those are the easiest to fix, yeah. very tangible. Um, but then when we go in deeper, and I think this is where we're getting with measuring core web vitals at scale. Um, I had an issue where, and, and I think this must be familiar to you as well, right? Um, you implement fixes, you turn around, you get back half a year later, and it's gone. Yeah. The scores are all the way down again, and, and nobody like. And I was getting enormously frustrated because I was helping a very large corporation making steps. And, and I first focused on, on speed. We did all of that. And then I turned around and did other stuff, like setting up a department and stuff, turned around again. And we're almost back to square one. And I'm definitely not the only one who's been there, right? Yeah. So I started looking at 
how can we change this behavior? I mean, like with that, what you actually need is proper quality assurance in your um, like CICD, so your automatic uh, deployments. Um, and that's when I started thinking about how can we automate this? Um, and I started doing this in 2019, I guess. And I just found a, a blog post by Simo Ahava. Because what I started doing is using Google Cloud Functions to run um, Lighthouse, uh, basically, from a headless instance of Chrome. Yeah. Um, and then I would pick uh, the sitemap.xml or I could do it or a list of pages, but in this case, it, it was a really big site in terms of numbers, but they only had 900 pages. So, um, so basically, and then what I did, I just made the function to run every day um, and then put all the results on a page by page level into BigQuery. Mm -hmm. um, and once we had that, we could start, uh, we connected uh, Data Studio and we could start yeah. measuring stuff, right? Um, but there's a, another really cool thing of doing it through Lighthouse and not use the PageFeed API because Lighthouse will also give you crux, stage, uh, crux data on a page by page level. So you could show real user experience, lab data in the same thing. And then you could do it over all templates. Because once you could define the pattern of the templates or in a different way, you could connect all the dots and you could basically say, give me this template and then it would show everything for that. And now the cool thing happens because it, in the JSON you get from the Lighthouse, um, there are sizes. And I don't know if you've been using this, but there is a function in, in Lighthouse, it's called performance budgets. You know of it? Yes, I've seen that. Yeah. So the interesting thing is, once you do the release, you can benchmark that page and then put into your automated testing the performance budgets. So now you can say CSS can never be larger than this for this type of page. That's by doing good. that, by doing that, you can embed that as a, as a how do you call it as an acceptance criteria. Once you do that, you never they development can never push something live which is worse than the previous version. Now the really interesting thing is that you can basically start saying, I want these metrics or these sizes to go down with 10% every three months. That's cool. Because you, you have to manually set it, but if you can make that agreement with the development team, you give them an incentive to constantly think about reusing elements and, and refactoring stuff, for instance. So then it becomes part of the culture. You can slowly start to make it part of the culture. 
And, and then when you combine that with the use cases, where you say like half a second is X amount of millions or we save so many trees, you can report on a number of saved trees or planted trees, right? Yeah, that's pretty cool. I didn't know you could report on like trees. Oh, you can. There is, um, if you search for carbon fruit, uh, website carbon footprint, you'll find a calculator. Um, and it's not like exact science. So the, the way I usually approach it, I run it through it and then say, let's take at least 20% margin. And that is my carbon footprint. But the great thing is if you're working for a large site, you can start scaling this because you can basically do it times the number of visits and then, or new visits, because if you have a lot of caching, it, it doesn't make sense, but you can kind of work out what your carbon footprint or the decrease in your carbon footprint has been. So there's like these kind of things you should take into account. And once you've built this, you, you basically embedded it into the company. And so, so now they can't push anything live, which hits the thresholds. Yeah, that's really good. Another really cool thing you can now start doing, which I really like, is once you have it, uh, have the core web vitals in there, um, if you also, so I'm also using a tool uh, to get all of my search console data into BigQuery. But what I'm also doing is getting my server logs into BigQuery. And I also got my published dates in, in BigQuery. So now I can see, uh, make all kinds of interesting mashups in uh, Data Studio, where I'm looking like, Okay, so we've decreed, we say we take 20% of our JavaScript, has the crawling by Google increased or uh, has like, are there any correlations to be seen? Um, on that, I have yet to have seen massive wins in SEO on any of the core web vitals. I must say that at one point, pre-Core Web Vitals, I saw a massive jump um, because we we basically, I, I was working on a website and it took almost 20 seconds to load because it was loading multiple framework. It was really, really massive on a shared server. So the server would go to 100%, blah, blah, blah. We moved it to a dedicated AWS server. It went down to five seconds. We, our traffic went up with eight times. So instead of doing two, three K visitors a day, we went up to almost 20. So there you could see that in my opinion, this is my simple um, way of looking at it. Um, people, Google wasn't happy sending people to a website that took 20 plus seconds to load. But once we fixed that, they, so it, it was almost like speed was a damping factor because we were so much slower than all of the competition. Once we fixed that, fixed that, they just pushed it straight back up or where it should have been. 
That's really interesting. Because like you, I've not really seen much of an impact from the, the rollout last year and this year's rollout so far. Um, things have just sort of stayed the same. I personally think it's more of a PR play, which, which is back into... to, to, yeah, to, to the previous conversation we had at the beginning. Um, I also think that um, there, if you think about it, like um, there's, a, there's a plugin or an extension, uh, it's called Core Web Vitals in SERPs. Yeah. Um, and what you'll see is that most SERPs, they're fairly sim similar. There's, there's not, not, not a SERP result which is so much slower. So to me, it feels like if you hit that threshold, if you're within that SERP threshold for that, it doesn't matter. Then SEO shouldn't be one of your drivers. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Definitely given me a, a lot to think about. Um, so I've just got one more question for you. Um, where's the best place people can find you on social media? <laughs> Um, I think the best way, the, uh, feel free to connect. If people want to connect with me on, on say, LinkedIn, uh, find me there, Arnold Hellemans. But please mention why you want to connect, because half the people want to connect, they want to sell me links. Um, yes. So, so, <laughs> so just say, uh, well, listen to, I listened to the podcast on Core and Vitals, it was awesome. Or, or say, I fully don't agree, that's also fine. And we need to discuss, uh, that's also fine. So that's on LinkedIn. And on Twitter, you'll find me with a little, almost mayonnaise kind of logo. And that was a little experiment in my, back in the days when I was doing a lot more conversion stuff. Um, um, that's not actually the mayonnaise logo. That actually is just an altered mayonnaise logo with an extra E in, because that's my last name and that's my Twitter handle. Um, so you can find me there. Some people call me the Mayo Man. Um, and you can, you can if, you, if you like oysters uh, or barbecuing or cold, cold sea swimming, um, then you can also go to my Instagram. It's at Arnold Hellman's on, 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 on Instagram. Um, but those are, but I think in terms of tech and stuff, the best ways are probably Twitter and then LinkedIn. I don't post anything work-related on, on Instagram. That's really good. Thank you very much for sharing your handles. Um, I really enjoyed speaking with you today. It's been great to find out how you measure Core Web Vitals, especially for large enterprise sites. Um, We'll be back in a couple of weeks um, with the Tech SEO podcast for your next instalment of Technical SEO. That's all for this episode, but we're always looking for other experts to join us and give us a fresh perspective on Technical SEO. So reach out to myself, Kira F. Davidson, on Twitter if you're interested in being a guest. Thanks again for joining us today. It was lovely speaking with you.